Welcome to the Get Out and Try podcast. I'm your host, Katie Axel. This episode is brought to you by ID Shield, the most comprehensive identity theft protection and reputation management solution available. ID Shield provides credit monitoring and alerts, digital privacy management, and guaranteed restoration services. I use it myself, and you can get it too. Visit getoutandtry.wearelegalshield.com. That's getoutandtry.wearelegalshield.com. In last week's episode, Mike Huberty from American Ghost Walks talked about how he got started in the paranormal business. This week is part two of that conversation where we get a sneak peek of some of the stories that you might hear when you experience American Ghost Walks. Check it out. Have you ever worked with a channeler in addition to the taking down of the stories from just talking to people? Well, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty skeptical. So I was a little skeptical about this about the psychic stuff yeah yeah a lot of different paranormal groups and have like a psychic will go along with them or somebody that says they're psychic or sensitive or everything and i'm always a little bit skeptical of that because i'm always because i always feel like is a psychic going to sit there and just prey on somebody's grief somebody who's sad and be like yeah give me a hundred bucks and i'll tell you that your mom's all right um kind of deal so I, I, that is my initial reaction to it but let me so let me tell you an interesting story of something where i thought something was ridiculous but in the end i, I kind of turned around so working on a tour in lake geneva wisconsin so lake geneva is a tour it's a lot like stillwater it's a tourist town uh between milwaukee and chicago right on the wisconsin border wisconsin illinois border kind of like you know it's a lot like stillwater uh downtown lake geneva one of the businesses um, one of my tour guides who I'm walking with used to be like a gift shop that she worked on. And she's like, you know, we always had some weird stories and some haunted stories about the basement. Maybe we can go in and ask the new owners if they have any stories. And I said, that's a great idea. And so our other Lake Geneva tour guide, she was saying that she had, you know, that sometimes she's a sensitive, sometimes she senses psychic things. Yeah. And I said, okay, great. Like that's, I'm like, don't try to do any readings for anybody on the tour. Um, <laughs> You know, just in case it's wrong or, yeah. you know, they think we're trying to, you know, manipulate people. But she is totally cool, fantastic tour guide, wonderful person. But it's us. So it's us three. We go in there. We talk to the owner and she's really nice. And she's like, oh, yeah, you guys can down check out the basement. Great. We're down in the basement. And I'm like, so have you ever seen anything haunted or ghostly down here? She's like, no, I'm Catholic. I don't believe in ghosts. You know, it's just not my thing. I'm like, oh, great. No problem. We're just going to take some pictures down here and maybe, you know, just take a look. As we walk, you know, a few paces, she there's like a, a corner of the room and she starts crying, the owner, and starts saying like, you know, there's just something about that corner that I, I don't understand. And this is the person 30 seconds ago. It's like, I don't believe in ghosts. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, what? And I'm sitting there like, what? I'm like taking notes, like looking around, like, okay, let's, let's here's the corner and stuff. And then I don't see anything weird about the corner. And she's just kind of staring there and it's like tears rolled up. I'm like, uh, okay. Thinking, are we gonna have to leave? Like what's going on? Uh, and she goes, I just, I see. And then the tour guide that's a sensitive goes, you see the little girl, don't you? And she goes, yes. Oh, I just yes, got I chills. <laughs> and and then she comes up and gives her a hug. She's like, she wants to know she's okay, kind of thing. And they talk for a minute and then, and I'm, and me and the other guy are like, what is going on here? Um, You're like, shine that fancy light to give us the shadow of whatever right, you're like, seeing. Uh, 
I'm looking in and I'm like, I don't see nothing. But, you know, we thank the woman for a time. We go upstairs and we come out of it. And it was, you know, and there's a longer story to go, but, but I was just like, okay. I don't know what I just witnessed, but I witnessed some kind of connection between these women where they both sensed something and it both affected them emotionally in an extreme way. She's doing this with strangers. Like she's crying and openly in front of strangers and, you know, saying just with seconds before, like it really was a normal interaction Two business owners to each. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to talk about this in the tour and the history of the building. Cause it's a, the, the, it's a historic building in their downtown. You know, it's named after the guy that like the whole block is named after the guy that like was the postmaster and mayor at the same time, you know, the way things were in 1900. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about the history of the place and then, okay, now we got bootlegger tunnels and things like that from the prohibition era and going to that. And then all of a sudden, boom, like a totally, some kind of experience happens and I'm, and I'm on the outside witnessing these two people having it and they didn't know each other. It wasn't that, like, I hope it wasn't a setup. I don't think it was <laughs> set up, but I go back outside and then we just kind of continue the rest of our way and it, and finish the, the walkthrough and, and the business stuff. And I'm like, that was something I did not expect. Right. Especially when the sensitive says something that is immediately validated by the experiencer and then they have a moment together and it just, um, yeah. So like, I'm not, I, I don't put a ton of credence in a lot of things mm -hmm. um, like that because I think it's really, and plus I've seen people in the mesmerism field and stuff like that treat it like it's parlor magic and, and all that kind of things. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm always a little bit skeptical but that day i was there and i was like okay something happened and it was extraordinary and now we've got something else for the tour so thanks <laughs> perfect so on the flip side of that have you had people where you had to call bs because you figured out that they were just playing you trying to get a story into your tour yes yeah no, that's i mean it, it's, it's pictures all the time um you know i don't know if this one is is bs but somebody sent a picture in earlier this summer uh, we get, I mean, we get constantly get pictures like people on the tour. They're like, do you see that? What I see? And I'm like, no, but I'm saying, you know, you don't say that you're just like, okay, well, that's cool. That's really cool. I'm glad you saw something, but I usually don't see the same things, but I appreciate, and maybe they do see something and maybe they had an experience and I'm not discounting that whatsoever. Uh, but when, when I get it, I'm going to be looking over it with a fine tooth comb because anything we put out, I want it to be somewhat credible or at least like not the simple explanation first, but I tell you, somebody sent a picture that from the warden's house museum at night earlier this summer that was pretty creepy and i didn't post it because i haven't had a chance to investigate it enough but okay so they, they went on the tour and uh our guide linda dangerous linda she'll be like okay i want you guys to take three pictures of each place and the, the three pictures idea is that you get a baseline will something happen in one of the pictures that didn't happen in the others is i mean it kind of it kind of gives you a baseline with what did did anything change in the images you know, you take three pictures. Well, they took a picture at the, like the warden's museum. They like went back and took some pictures after the tour. Cause we go by there and talk about the ghost stories there and anything, anything that was involved with a prison usually has some kind of ghost story associated with it. But so they take a picture like at night and you know, like in the, in the museum, at least the, the room that they were, it kind of was a red light in there. Kind of looked like a red light, you know, it could be the usual exit sign kind of light kind of coming in but they take it and like through the window you see like a little not an orb but it, it looks like a little dot or a little circle in there that is a little strange when you zoom in on it it's a face like it, it it's a face that looked like kind of like freddy krueger <laughs> really so that's I, I i see this picture and i'm like 
Oh, that's really weird. And so I send it to my, to my sister because I'm checking for her BS detector. I send it to my friends who who have some who are pretty skeptical too. And they're like, that's a, I don't know, like that's crazy. And then my sister says like, what did you look into? Because they have ghost apps that add faces and stuff to pictures. Yeah. She's like, have you checked any of the ghost apps to see if this is one of the faces on it? I said, oh, no, I haven't done that yet. And so I did, kind of didn't post it, even though I was, the lady was really nice. And because I'm like, hey, can I, did you guys take three pictures? Can I see any others? She's like, no, our friend only took this one. Okay. Hmm. So I haven't had a chance to dig into it, but that's the kind of thing where I was about to post something and I'd be like, oh my God, look at this. And then I'm like, oh, wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. It could be something from an app. And if it is something from an app, I don't want to be the, we, we don't want to be the uh, people who are, it's just show we're easily duped. Yeah. It's one, you know, to, to do the, re, want to do the research first before you show people like, hey, this is something really weird. Right. That show, that in the picture that showed here. It, I mean, because like, the, it's like a small face, like further away. Hmm. Like maybe, I mean, it's like, could there be a mask hanging on the wall or something like that? A Freddy Krueger at the Warden's House Museum in July? Probably not. Right. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a picture of Freddy Krueger. It wasn't, it was just that kind of bald, almost burntish face. Yeah. Which makes me, that, it reminds me of it. Okay. Um, But yeah, but I, I don't think they were trying to do anything and they were really nice and stuff like that. But it's little stuff like that where I want to make sure that we're not getting hoodwinked before we say like, check out the cool evidence people got on our tour. Right. Because other people, other tours... And I'm not going to name names or anything like that. But they'll, they'll just come out and they'll like show pictures where it's just obviously some kind of lens flare right. or something. Like, <laughs> Ghosts invaded this tour. How cool. Get out. You know, come on here. Well, and then it's so easy people- to create that these days too. Right. Right. And you'll see people on Facebook and they'll be like, oh my God, did you see that? And you're like, oh my head, it's up. There was a stoplight in the back. You know, if the whole thing, you see it, you just, that's not what we're interested in yeah it's not you know if you want to do fiction there's so much cool fiction out there that that the stuff that you really can't explain is what uh gets us going because that is that's a little bit of excitement um like i i don't know where this came from it's one of the things that's really fun about doing the investigation and, and talking to different places is when you find two different people that have had the same experience that are completely unrelated to each other that don't know each other and there's no like urban legend about the place there's there's nothing in particular about the place um that like they read they all read it online and just you know can say like oh i had this i I can't believe it because it's the same kind you know when two people out of the blue have the same experience in the same place even if it's sometimes years apart that's like okay what's that even if it's a small thing Mm -hmm. it's those little things that are like well maybe there is something there and that's what makes it fun to go to those places to be like, well, this this is where that kind of stuff happens. So there's a little bit of magic in going to those places yourself. Yeah, absolutely. When I think haunted history tour, for some reason, I always think 1800s. Sure. I guess there, I have a few questions around this. I'm curious mm-hmm. if you have locations where you have generations of stories for one building where maybe you have something from the 1800s and then something from the 1900s. There's definitely like places where they have had, you know, more things over time. I'm, I'm trying to think in Stillwater, we're thinking about the, the Austin Jenks house, you know, has had, they've had uh, some different experiences, you know, with the different owners uh, and things. And then the last owner didn't have many of the experiences, but they do have that weird kind of um, 
they have it like a, a tobacco smoke that they sometimes smell when nobody's smoking tobacco in the house mm. um, and kind of things in, in Austin Jenks old office. And then uh, new evidence there kind of comes from the um, St. Croix paranormal team when they had done research there. And, and so you have stuff that's like, okay, you have maybe stories from uh, the older owners and then a story from a newer owner and then a story from uh, the paranormal team that went to investigate it. Okay. So the buildings with a good deal of history. I mean, St. Paul, there's the Griggs Mansion, um, which that that place is, has a ton of history. It's those giant Victorian mansions along Summit and, and stuff like that in, in that area. In uh, Lake Geneva, you have another place where Lake Geneva is a, um, a town where after the great Chicago fire, a lot of the most famous Chicago business families turned their summer homes into where they lived because the fire had burned down their house. So when you have places like, you know, Mayfair, who else? Sears, or I'm sorry, Maytag, Maytag. Oh, yeah. Um, Sears, uh, some of the other, Woolworths, like the, the, these huge families that had formed these stores that are name brands mm -hmm. had mansions in Lake Geneva. And so not, none of the families still own these kind of things. They've been passed down through generations. So now you have several different owners who've had different experiences in those places. So there, there is kind of a generational thing. You, when you think 1800s, it's because if we go back to when this area was settled, mm -hmm. there's this Treaty of Chicago in like 1831, and that kind of ends the Black Hawk War. And so the, the upper Midwest um, kind of gets opened up because that wars are, you know, th those wars are finished. And so then settlers start just pouring in. When you think that war ends in 1830, Wisconsin's a state 18 years later, like populated and stuff and ready to get into the Civil War, you know, 12 years after that. You know, Minnesota, not not too much longer after that. So kind of that's why we're thinking about the 19th century, because that's when a like the middle of the 19th century is when these places were built. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think about the house I'm in right now is built in 1905. And I'm like, that was less than 60 years after Wisconsin became a state. You know, yeah, and and so we still and a house like three doors down or not the three doors down, like about a block away that was built before Wisconsin became a state, and still it's the state that the streets are all named after by the guy. Oh. That's only eighteen like forty five or eighteen forty two when it was built. Yeah, and so you're thinking nineteenth century because really that's when a lot of these things were, especially in Stillwater. I mean, that's when the that's when the downtown was built. That's when it was booming. Right. That's when it's not just a vacation town. Stillwater is one of the centers of business of Minnesota because you got, I mean, it's the lumber and lumber raft pilots and like lumber raft pilots were their own thing. Like these guys, these burly guys that went down the rivers and, you know, in St. Croix, you're bringing down uh, the lumber and then to where it connects to the Mississippi. And then it, then it keeps going down to wherever it's going to end up. You know, the most, I think one of the most interesting stories I found about old time Stillwater, uh, not present day or talking to someone who'd had an experience because some of the like some of the experiences that people had at different bars or cool videos like pub 112, which I know pub 112 isn't around anymore, but mm -hmm. they had some great stuff on their website of like different paranormal activity videos that they got like when the building was closed, like security camera footage. Oh, yeah. that was pretty cool. But I think what I thought was uh, the most interesting thing was, was a something I'd never even heard of before. And this is a story from the tour we talk about, a guy named Fisherman John. And Fisherman John is a finder of lost bodies. And this, <laughs> right, that's, imagine he handing his business card out. Right. No, he had a business card. He had his business card and it said, John Jeremy, expert recoverer of drowned bodies. 
Wow. And this goes back to, I mean, uh, Father Hennepin, the missionary for whom Minneapolis's county, as well as its most central street is named after, called the St. Croix River, the river of the grave, because it was a place where the natives buried their dead. But it was also a place where young men coming out to make their fortunes working in the lumber industry and logging, sometimes they got lost or they got in a fight and ended up in the St. Croix River and their families are desperate to find them. And the best guy at finding dead bodies uh, was Fisherman John. He was, had a mysterious sack <laughs> around his chest that he carried around with him everywhere, and no one could ask about it. He wouldn't work in front of anybody else, and he'd only work at night. Um, there were rumors about him. People said that he had a trained muskrat that was an expert at finding dead bodies, or that he was a water witch who used a dowsing rod to find the bodies of people's loved ones, like he was had some kind of connection to the devil, and that's why he could find it. And so the, these rumors around Fisherman John, he found plenty of bodies in the St. Croix River. And his record, though, as he worked around the country, he found 104 bodies from Florida to the Pacific Northwest. And then he would get a bounty for each one of 50 to $500. What year is this? This is back in the uh, late 19th century. So this is back in the, when we're talking about the, the heyday of the logging. Mm -hmm. He said he learned his secret from the Sioux Indians and he passed it on to his son and his grandson. And so that uh, he's got this, this, this family secret of being able to find dead bodies. Fast forward like 50 years, his grandson ends up having to find the body of the heir to the Dodge Motor Company in Detroit. This guy, Danny Dodge is his name. He's on a honeymoon in Lake Ontario. He gets drunk and decides to use some sticks of dynamite to have fun. He's he, like people blow up fireworks. He's blowing up sticks of dynamite. Anyway, rich guy, crazy, drunk, wedding. It ends poorly. The dynamite backfires. The nearest hospital is by a boat. So they, they throw him in the boat and they try to, try to get to a hospital. But it's big waves, harsh winds. Danny gets thrown into the water. The, body, the body's lost off Lake Ontario for several weeks. The Dodge family award, offers a $15,000 reward. Canadian authorities, they got tugboats and they got planes and stuff and they can't find the body. And the family's, you know, paying anybody if they can find the body. And what happens is that Fisherman John's grandson, George Thompson, goes up there. He finds the body in just a couple hours. Wow. So does this legacy live on then? Is there, are there more? I haven't, I haven't heard anything beyond George Thompson. That was the last, I tried to see if I could find more about Fisherman John or John Jeremy. Uh, Cause it seems like that's the kind of thing you'd make a movie about, right? Right. You're like, this sounds interesting. We can film part of it in Stillwater. Like Grumpy, Grumpy Old Men 3. Right. Uh, like they Because they filmed that in Stillwater. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, so Fisherman John and the idea of you had to find these bodies in the water and these people find it, looking for their lost relatives. And e it even gets mentioned in Tom Sawyer. Um, Mark Twain, it doesn't mention Fisherman John, but this idea of trying to find bodies that are stuck in the, you know, in the river. And in Tom Sawyer, the superstition is that you put... Quicksilver or mercury, like in thermometers, mm -hmm. you put that into a loaf of bread and you throw it into the water where you believe the person you care about went in. And then the body is supposed to float up to the surface wow. so you could find them. So they even, so th this uh, being part of the culture, enough of the part of the culture that Mark Twain writes about it and a river culture mm -hmm. seems so separate from our modern age, but it's not when you think, and you know, I think about Fisherman John was probably alive when my house was built. Yeah. Fisherman John was definitely alive when most of downtown Stillwater was built. All of that, uh, just it, that's what I mean about that, like kind of weird connect, like those stories that you learn more about the place, more about the culture and more about people's beliefs and, and what was important to them. 
you know, when you think about people going off to find their fortune and logging and, and maybe there's not good jobs where they are, I mean, they're just going out desperate, desperate to do something. And then they're lost to their families forever. Who do you turn to? And you might turn to something superstitious right. um, in order to do that and it, because any port in a storm. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about the tours in Stillwater. Yes. How can people get into these tours? How can they sign up? How can they get tickets? Well, stillwaterghosts.com is the uh, easiest way. It has, you know, you go to stillwaterghosts.com and it's got all of the uh, available dates on the website. Uh, we go May through October, depending, depending on when it gets warm, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it gets warm in early May, it stays in early May. If it gets warm in late May, that's when it'll go. Uh, when people start wanting to be outside, that's where we are. And we start at the, the where the old Stillwater Farm Store was. Okay. Uh, that's where it begins, uh, 401 Main Street South. Even though the, the farm store is not there anymore, uh, it's still a fine place to meet. And it's uh, a great, like there's a, the benches and stuff like that. So it's an easy place for people to find it and, and things. And so we're going uh, Friday nights and Saturday nights. This October, we got two great guides, uh, Dangerous Linda and a new guy, Bill. And so it's just been, it's been a really fun thing and, and discovering and, and going from a place where my wife and I just used to like to go there and, and walk around and have a beer and dinner and stuff. And, and now it's like a fun place that we can help promote, help people feel connected to the history and have a great time. And stillwaterghosts.com is where you can find it. And then you can always facebook.com slash stillwaterghosts. If you guys want to post anything, pictures, news stories, or anything like that you want to share. And is that how they should get in touch with you? If someone hears this podcast and says, I've got a story for him about Stillwater. Is it through Facebook or through? Yeah. Or you can send you, we have on our website, stillwaterghost.com. This just has the the main email for us and you just click the button and you can, you know, send an email right there. Facebook's a great way, but sometimes things get lost in the Facebook shuffle. Um, so email is usually the most reliable way to make sure that we get it and check out the story. And then we, and if you have a report or something, or th- think if you're a business that would be like, Oh my God, I, I, we totally have some stuff here. We want to be part of the tour. Uh, we would love to make you part of it. Um, and can do an interview, collect the stories, find more about the place, all that kind of stuff. Have you developed a fan club with all of your locations where people will go to all of your different tours across the country yes especially in minnesota especially in the um once people take saint paul they'll come to take stillwater they'll come to take minneapolis and then when they go on vacation sometimes they'll come and do like the wisconsin locations as well and now now that we have hawaii up we're hoping that uh, hawaii and puerto rico uh, we're hoping that when they go on a uh, tropical vacation that we can spook them there as well with the same quality of research and stories and fun uh, that they get when they're at home you're going to need an official fan club card. Well, that's right. You got to collect them all. That's right? <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that point. It's not like the, the frequent haunter or something like that. Maybe that would trading be cards even. <laughs> trading sure. cards are back. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in some locations we have buttons. Um, okay. Oh, we used, to, we used to, do we still, we used to have buttons in Stillwater. I'm not sure if we still do them, but said like I survived the ghost walk kind of thing. A lot of times that's useful just so you know who's on the tour and who's not. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, Pick up some yeah, but along the way. Tra- trading cards are a f- more fun idea than buttons, especially if you get a little like ghost story along with each card. One last question. What age would you recommend the tour for? So there's nothing like it, it's not meant to be gruesome or horrific, or even though there's something, I mean, it's a ghost tour and death is part of the story, yep. but really I'd, you know, I'd say over 10. Okay. And because th- there's kids who are interested in history Yeah. and there's kids who aren't. 
And so we've had young kids on tours who are eight years old, they're fascinated by the whole thing. And then we've had kids who are 12 and be like, oh, I'm not really into history, you know? Yeah. And so I, I always say like, if you know what kind of person your kid is, and if, they're, if, if history is something they're into and interested by and real ghost stories, um, then they're gonna have a good time. If they're looking for something more uh, dramatic or somebody to grab their leg and everything like that, and that's great too, then I would say wait till they're a little bit older or have a, have a deeper appreciation for like learning historical stories. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. And thank you, you for being a part of getoutandtry.com, listing your tours on the calendar as well. I really appreciate it. Happy to. Happy to. Thank you for all you do uh, for the community. If you're local, you can check out the Stillwater Ghost Walks from May through October. Be sure to check out the other ghost walks in other cities. All their tours are listed on their website, AmericanGhostWalks.com. And of course, those local Stillwater tours are also listed on getoutandtry.com. That wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the podcast. That's one of those small ways that you can help support the podcast and help others find it. Make sure you're also visiting getoutandtry.com often, keeping you connected to the calendar of fun and happenings in the St. Croix Valley. Until next time, find some ways to connect with your community. Support those hardworking small businesses that host all the fun in the Valley. Go, get out and try.